Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for our message is the parable that we just read about the, the weeds and the wheat. Well, Sven and Lena went out to, for a date to a movie, and they got into the theater, and they sat down, and they thought, well, I'm hungry for some popcorn, and they need to make a pipe stop, so, so they left the theater and went out, and did what they needed to do, and then they came back. By the time they came back, it was all dark. And so they're trying to figure out which seat was theirs and which row was theirs. And so they eat work down, and then finally Sven talks to a guy at the end of the row, and he says to him, did I step on your foot when I went out earlier this time? And the guy said, yeah, and kind of waited for an apology. And then Sven turned to Lena and said, yep, this is the row. <laughs> it was identifying where he belonged. And, and so often in life we try to identify where we belong. And we're in a series in which Jesus is telling us several parables. And, and when we hear the parables, isn't one of the challenges to identify where we belong. And so that's what we're going to look at today, this parable about the wheat and the weeds, to try to identify where is it that, that we belong, where is it that we sometimes try to fit in or want to fit in, but where is it that the Lord has assigned us. And so we're going to look at it to do this. And it is interesting that Jesus in our text, tells us the parable first, but then gives us the explanation. And it's really in the explanation that he then explains what parts of the parable mean and where we fit in. And so we put a, an insert into the bulletin to follow along if you'd like, that, that's going to ask about the certain characters within the parable. Are, are we this character? And we'll look at what the parable says, but then we'll look at what Jesus' explanation says. And so as we see, we begin the parable, and the first character that is introduced is the man. So, so are you the man? And so Jesus starts the parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. Now when we hear that, our first response is, well, we're the ones planting the seeds, right? Because last week we had the parable of the sower and he sowed the seeds. And we talked about how we are called by God to share the word of God with others, to spread it along. That's our role. But that's not our role in this parable. Jesus makes that very clear in the explanation, right? When you get down to the explanation, Jesus says, the one who sows the seed is the Son of Man. Christ is the man. Christ is the owner of the field. It is his field. And he is the one who plants. And, and again, keep in mind that in this parable, the seed is not the word of God as it was last week. The seed is the believer. Who plants a believer? Who brings people to faith? Is it not the Lord? You and I can't bring anyone to faith. We can't even take responsibility for our own faith. It's the Lord and the Lord alone that plants believers. He's the one who died. He's the one that rose. He's the one that comes to you through the word. It's the Holy Spirit that, that gives you faith that enables to cling to him. He and he alone is the one who plants the good seed. He and he alone is the one who plants the believer. And that's good news. That's good news for you and it's good news for me because it means that my salvation is not dependent upon me. That my salvation is dependent upon the Lord. Because anything that's dependent upon me, well, that's kind of in doubt. Right? Anything that's dependent upon the Lord, we can be sure of. So, so again, we're, we're not the man. So the next question would be, are you the enemy? Because that's the next character in the parable, right? Jesus continues on. But while men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. 
But we don't even want to ask this question, right? We, we don't want to consider ourselves an enemy of God. And yet we have to ask it because by nature we are in opposition to God. Elsewhere in Scripture we, we are reminded that we, that we stand opposed to God. We don't like to think in those terms, but, but it's real, right? The, the idea that, that God has his will for the world and for you and for me. And, and our will doesn't always match that will, does it? Even as children of God, isn't that one of the difficult things in our life to try to conform our desires, our will, our wishes with the will of God, to, to, to line those up, to find ourselves in the will of God and doing as he has said. And, and so we do at times oppose God. But Jesus is clear, we're not the enemy. In the explanation, Jesus says, the enemy and the enemy who sold them is the devil. The enemy is Satan. The enemy is Satan who opposes the will of God. And it's interesting how often Satan is appearing in these parables, right? Last week we had the parable of the, the seeds that, that fell along the roadside. And what was it? It was the Satan who, who gra grabbed the seeds before they could get planted into the ground. Satan continues to oppose God's will. And in so doing, he, he plants weeds. He plants evil in this garden of God. And we are to be aware of that. That evil exists. That, that there are people that stand in opposition to God. And worse than just standing in opposition, there are those who try to pull us away from the will of God. Who try to tell us the things of God are not true. Who try to give direction in a way that leads away from the truth of God and His will. We need to be aware so that we're not drawn into that, so we're not pulled away. But again, even they are not called the enemy. It's Satan that is the enemy. Because even those who oppose the will of God, are they not those whom God still wants and desires to call back to the faith? I don't know how this fits in with weeds and wheat, but we know that part of, of, of Scripture, right? That, that there, if Satan is the one who plants the evil, he is the one who is the enemy. He is the one who opposes God at every stage. It wasn't just in Jesus' life. And I think that's the point of the parable and the way that Jesus tells it at this point is he wants you aware that Satan is active in the world today. We can see the evidence of his activity and we have to be aware. And that's why we need to be focused on Christ and his word so that we can recognize that which is not from him, that which is not of him. But we continue with the parable. The next question would be, are you the servants? Because they appear in verse 27. And the servants of the master of the house came and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How does it have weeds? And he said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, then do you want us to go out and gather them? Now, we act like the servants. Right? I mean, when you hear the description of what the servants did, doesn't it ring into your own mind in our response to, to evil? Um, because the servants are there, and they look out in the field, and what do they see? The weeds. In fact, that's where their focus is, right? That they see the weeds, they do not belong, and so those must be uprooted and taken away. But, but again, all this is revealed in the questions that they ask. Notice how they respond to the weeds that they see. The first question is, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? What's the basis of that question? 
isn't it? Who's responsible for the weeds? Somebody's got to be responsible. There's always someone who's guilty. And notice, they're even questioning the planter, right? Did you really sow good seed? That, that's implied by the question that there, there must be some reason why there is the weeds. And doesn't that ring in our mind when we see evil? Don't we want to know the reason that it exists? And when evil happens, when bad things take place, isn't our response, well, who's to blame? Who's responsible? We always got to find out the one responsible because someone's got to, someone has to be punished. Someone has to take responsibility. Someone, it's someone's fault. And we're usually looking away from ourselves, right? There's got to be somebody out there who's responsible for this. And then the second question by the servants. Then do you want us to go out and gather them? Boy, that's real basic, right? The weeds are there. They don't belong. So what's the solution? Pull them out. And what's our response to evil? Lord, why don't you just take it all out? Why don't you just remove it? Because we can see clearly what is the evil and what isn't the evil. And sometimes we think if God's not going to do it, we'll do it. We'll, we'll drive out the evil. We'll uproot the evil. And our goal is admirable because, because we want evil removed. Why? Because we don't want the evil to affect the good. And in our logic, that makes sense. So we'll remove the evil, protect the good, and everything will be well. But notice what Jesus' response to the servants is. It's also striking that in the explanation, there's no mention of the servants. The servants appear in the parable, but they aren't referred to in the explanation. So clearly, we're not to be the servants. And Jesus has an answer to the servants as they ask the question. That, that Jesus uh, answers the, 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 the servants when, when they ask about um, the evil. Again, notice... He blames Satan. Satan's the one who planted the seed. You want to know why there is evil in this world? Look again at Satan. Isn't that true as we look at the world? Go back to where does sin begin? Was it not all the way back to, to Satan in the garden with Adam and Eve? He's the one responsible. But Jesus doesn't really say any more about that. But he does address the second question directly. When they ask about whether they should go out and pull the weeds, notice what Jesus says. No less than gathering the weeds, you uproot the wheat along with them. That sometimes when you pull out the weeds, you pull the good seed. And always, whenever I read this parable, I'm reminded of an episode in my life where um, we had good friends that had, a, and they uh, hired me to, to um, pull out weeds. It was a time in which, you know, like $2 an hour was great. And so I was really excited. She paid me $2 an hour. But then she said, but every good plant you pull out, you owe me a dime. Well, I think at the end of the day, I owed her money. <laughs> it just seemed like every time I tried to pull out a weed, weed a good plant would come. They, 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 they are together. And Jesus is trying to get across that, that our logic doesn't always, what our logic thinks makes sense, doesn't always make sense. Jesus tells us that, that trying to uproot the evil is not going to protect the good. In fact, it's in uprooting the evil that we might even damage the good. The point that Jesus is making is that the good and the evil are intertwined. In the parable, it actually is saying that the evil one planted is set among, or it could be also interpreted on top of, 
the good seed. The idea is that, that the, the, the wheat and the weeds are intertwined in, in the plant and in the root. There's no way to separate them out. And if we think about evil in this world, what is evil but sin? How do you separate out sin from this world from the good? Who amongst us isn't affected by sin? We all, by nature, have sin, right? We, we all have that sinful nature even within us, even as we have the good nature. So how do you uproot the evil? How do you uproot the sin? We'll point out the good. The only way to remove all the evil is to remove all humanity. It simply doesn't work. It, it's not as simple as, as we think. And so our role is not to uproot the evil. In fact, that's the role of the reapers. And it will come. And that's what comes to our next question, right? Are you a reaper? And obviously, no. We're not a reaper. But the parable tells us that let both grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them into bundles and they will be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. Jesus is saying there is going to be a separation. There is going to be a judgment. A judgment is coming. And that's a major part of this parable, is it not? A lot of what Jesus speaks about is that there is judgment against unbelief and rebellion against God. But he's going to take care of it. And that's what he says in the explanation. The harvest is the close of the age, and the reapers are the angels. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out his kingdom, all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Lord is going to separate. The Lord is going to come back. There is going to be a judgment. Separation will be done by the angels according to his judgment and according to his justice. But it is a reminder that there is going to be one day a vindication. One day all will know who the Lord truly is and every knee will bow and every name will confess that he is Lord. And we look forward to that day. It is coming. So, what are we then? It's real simple. You're the good seed. Um, Jesus makes this plain. He tells us in the parable, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in the field. So again, the kingdom of heaven, is the man is the Lord, and what does he plant? He plants believers. And that's the explanation, right? The field is the world, and the good seed is the children of the kingdom. And then later on, when he speaks about the judgment, in verse 43, he says, Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. Jesus very clearly gives us the role. We're the good seed in the parable. Now, that doesn't sound very flashy, but it is very important. The Lord has planted you where you are. You are his good seed amongst your family, amongst your friends, amongst your neighbors. He's planted you by his very action. He has died for you. He has risen for you. He has come to you in his word and his sacrament and claimed you as his own. He has planted you in the earth so that you would be his child by his sacrifice and his action. And he's placed you in a world that does include sin and evil. But it's a world where the sin and evil has already been conquered. We're just waiting for the final judgment. And you are to live and grow in this world. And you are to live and grow with patience. 
We look forward to that time when Christ will indeed return. Then the evil will be removed, and then we look forward to that time in which we live all eternity without evil, without sin, without tears, or anything else. So then the natural question is, well, what do we do till then? Well, the Lord tells us. He says at the end of the parable, he who has ears, let him hear. First thing we're to do is to listen. We are to listen to the Lord and listen to him to guide us and how we are to live, how we are to conduct ourselves, how we are to treat our neighbor, how we are to go forward. We are to listen to what he has done for us, to be confirmed in our salvation and wait for his return. But also he gives us a hint when he talks about what the righteous will be like at the end of the age. He says the righteous will shine like the sun. And if we're listening to the Lord, does this not bring to mind what Jesus said earlier in the book of Matthew in the Beatitudes when he said that the, that the children of God are to be the light of the world. We live in a world of evil. And the scriptures call evil darkness. And we are the light in the midst of this evil. We see the evil. We get frustrated with all that we see all around us. We're the light. We are to be the light that brings life and light to the world, that brings joy and a true understanding of God. And we are to shine Christ. We are to shine Christ upon, amongst our friends and amongst our family and amongst our neighbors in the way that we conduct ourselves, in what we say to one another, what we say about one another, the things that we do for one another, the way we help one another, and even the way that we handle those who oppose us. As we speak in love and in kindness, are we not shining the light of Christ? And one of the chief ways we shine the light of Christ revolves forgiveness. The ability for us to admit when we're wrong and ask for forgiveness, and our ability to forgive those who have wronged us. Isn't that the greatest light of Christ? And isn't that essential to every relationship that we have amongst our family and amongst our friends? When we live out our life, we are being that good seed, the light to the world. Again, in the end, our role is simple. We're not the man planting. We're not the enemy opposing God. We're not the reapers. We're the good seed. You are children of God. And as children of God, we focus on Christ and his love. We wait for that time when he will appear trusting fully in his promise. And in the meantime, we simply share his love with all those around us. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding guide our hearts and minds to true faith, life everlasting.